Hi everyone, I'm Amber Rose, the Religious Hippie, and welcome to A Catholic's Perspective. For those of you just finding this podcast, let me tell you a little about myself. I was born and raised a cradle Catholic until I fell away from the church for eight years. I just recently came back to the church and I could not be happier with where I am today. I am currently a junior in college and I'm studying graphic design. I am an ambassador for multiple amazing Catholic Christian companies and I love working with all of them. Now, some of you may already know me from my popular religious hippie social media channels, such as TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have all kinds of Catholic content on there, so don't forget to go check those out. So the reason I wanted to start a podcast was so that I'd be able to have a longer format which people could listen to from wherever they are. I particularly wanted to address issues that young Catholics face today in the secular world, and I want to do that by providing information along with commentary and even a little of my own opinion. I can't lie, from time to time I might be discussing very controversial issues, and some will find my opinions unappealing. But I do this out of my faith and service to God. We must keep communicating with each other, respecting each other, and put each other on the path to sainthood. I think you'll enjoy the podcasts coming up, and I thank you for being here with me. Hi everyone, The Religious Hippie here. Welcome back to my podcast. Today I have with me a special guest, Daniel. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Hi, everyone. So, um, why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. Uh, so, as you just heard, my name is Daniel, and I live in Japan. Uh, just a little summary about myself. Basically, I am a Jewish person who is also a believer in Yeshua, Jesus, and I am on the path uh, towards Catholic Orthodoxy. And it's been an amazing journey, and I'm so excited to be here with you all to share a little bit about some interesting topics. I love it. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast. So today we're talking about Marian devotions. Did you want to explain to the viewers what a Marian devotion is? Sure. Now, I will say this, that compared to you, I am a baby when it comes to this, right? Uh, But Marian devotion basically means going to Yeshua, going to Jesus through Mary. So there are many different types of devotion. One of the most well-known is, of course, the rosary. And through that, even though, you know, you're saying your Hail Marys and things like that, you're getting closer, closer to Jesus through those prayers and through the meditation that you do in in the rosary. So that's basically what it is. It's just getting closer to our Messiah through Miriam, Mary. Correct. Yeah, it's awesome. And there are so many different devotions you can do. Um, what have mm-hmm. you found to be the, the biggest benefits from doing Marian devotions? Well, this is really hard to explain because do you mind if I give a little brief first about... Go ahead. Okay. So... <laughs> I came from a really, really anti-Catholic background. Uh, As I mentioned, I am Jewish um, because of heritage and because I ended up being part of a, uh, living out a Jewish lifestyle in an Orthodox manner. But even though I still believed in Jesus, I always struggled with the view that Catholics had in regards to medium, Mary. I thought that Catholics were putting her in too high of a pedestal and basically making her like a goddess. 
it was idolatrous to me. And it was impossible for me to grasp this concept and this type of devotion. But then when I started learning about Catholicism and I said, okay, look at everything, the Eucharist, check, the history, check, authority, check, everything looks good. But this Miriam thing, this Mary thing, it really, really bothered me. Um, so I think this became the biggest benefit in my walk because of the fact that it really humbled me because it led me to understand that this relationship with God and Catholicism, which is the avenue through which we get close to him, it's not just about the mind. It's not all about intellect and knowing facts, but it's about the heart. And that's really the benefit that it really broke me down because I had to understand, you know, you, you can study all you want, but you're never going to get this until you're ready to give your heart through Mary to Yeshua, to Jesus. So I think that was for me, the biggest benefit by far. No, that's so cool. I know for a fact, when I came back into my faith, I think Our Lady and St. Joseph were the kind of like the first ones I ran to um, mm -hmm. because in a way, I felt almost like I, I couldn't relate to Jesus just yet because um, I was not divine. You know, I wasn't, mm -hmm. I, I might've been a child of the divine, but I was not divine myself. And so mm -hmm. to look at our human models, which is why the saints are so important. Um, mm -hmm. I was able to gain access to Jesus through Mary. And so for me, and that's the whole point of it is she points us mm -hmm. to her son. Um, and so what are some of your, most favorite Marian devotions right now? Well, it all started um, with just simply talking to her. Um, as every Jewish person will tell you, your mother is, <laughs> it's always going to be there. It doesn't matter how old you get, your mama is always going to be there and whatever she says goes. Mm. So I first recognized that. And one thing that um, also helped me to see her as that is that in Judaism, we see the matriarchs as really important. Actually, every single week, we have this prayer that uh, we ask God to accept our prayers, not through our own merits, but by the merit of our mothers, Sarah, mm -hmm. Rachel, um, and all of them. I don't even know how to say them in English. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, um, as, as I, I understood, okay, this is my mother. Yeshua gave her to me. Okay, if it's my mom, I better start talking to her. So that's how it started. And then after just learning how to talk to my own heavenly mother, if you will, um, I started really, really getting this call to do the rosary. And again, it, it always became that struggle about the idolatry factor. I didn't know if this was bad. So I started watching pretty much any video you could think of on YouTube, reading as many articles as I could, studying as much as I could to see, is this idolatrous? So at the end of the day, I ended up doing this little thing where I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to buy a rosary. I'm just going to get it. And I had it for like a couple of months and I didn't use it. I just had it. And then I started praying to God. I'm like, God, I really feel like you want me to do this, but I'm not sure. So if you, if this is idolatrous, stop me. But if you really want me to connect with medium, with the blessed mother, you need to make me feel it in my heart. So then I started praying it. And then the rosary became my next biggest thing. So first talking, 
then the rosary. And I'm still learning, um, just learning different ways to, to appreciate her. And then another thing that I've been taking into um, is sacred art. And I think, you know, Baird is Catholic. Yeah, and you know, yeah. of course, everybody knows the most amazing <laughs> art. And I, I, you can't see it too well, but do you see this right here, right behind me? Yes, I do. Yeah. So, so that's the Mater Dolorosa, the Mother of Sorrows, I think you say. Is that how you would say yeah, it? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Our Lady of Sorrows. So, yes, Our Lady of Sorrows. This image to me represents so much because it was through that same image that I understood the rosary even more. Because I learned to look at the life of our Messiah through her eyes. Mm. And it's, I'm a father, right? And I, I have one boy and another baby on the way. And when I understood the pain that she must have felt or the joys that she must have felt as, her, as the mother of the Messiah, it really opened up my eyes to a dimension of understanding our Lord more than I ever could. So I guess the three things, just talking, then the rosary and using sacred art as a way to approach her. And I have like prayer cards and stuff like that. So that's pretty much what I do right now. I love that. I know for a fact that visuals are super important in our prayer life in general. It just helps us picture things and, and just reflect on uh, the people, but also, you know, the, um, I guess their lives in general and what they went through for Christ. And I know for a fact, I have a strong devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows. Um, she's helped me through a lot of stuff. And so it's been one of those things where I have a rosary of Our Lady of Sorrows rosary. Um, but also it's, it's interesting because I also recently last year in October did the consecration to Jesus through Mary, the St. Louis de Montfort. Have you done that one yet? Or at all? I, I haven't, but I, I have seen in your channel that you've spoken about it. And I've seen a couple other channels that have brought it up and I'm really interested. So give me some tips because I want to know more. <laughs> the best thing I can tell you is that it's a 33 day to morning glory. So it's 33 day do it yourself consecration. There's a book and there's also, you can even print out like a, a workbook almost. Um, we didn't do that. We just did the regular book, but uh, I, I did it by myself. I didn't have anyone else that I knew at the time to do it with. So it was mm -hmm. really hard to stay accountable. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the important thing is to remember that the devil will literally do anything he possibly can to get you away from Christ and his mother. Mm, and so there will be times where you just feel like you can't do the devotion at all, even though it's just a page or two of reading. Um, right. And there's a prayer usually at the end. Um, and so persevering through that, I feel like is one of the most, I, I want to say rewarding things because it's like, yeah. It's almost like forcing yourself to pray and then feeling better after you do pray because you're like, oh, I pushed through that spiritual dryness and like I actually did something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and so yep. I think I think that that is super important. And I, I pray the rosary too. I've I honestly forgot how to when I first came back into my faith. Mm. So I had to yeah. YouTube and, and Spotify were like my best friends for online rosary help. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, is that when I did that though, I, I would do it on Instagram live streams before I even had like a hundred followers. Like I would just go on live streams and practice with my followers. Awesome. And that way, if they had anything they wanted me to critique, 
you know, I would be able to. Well, I had one person comment on my my latest rosary YouTube video. They're like, oh, well, I like it better in Latin. And I was just like, oh. you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. <laughs> like, ah, that's that's great. That's what we say to the kids. We're like, you get what you get and you don't get upset. <laughs> exactly. Pretty sure he was a 60-year-old man. But <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is, is it's like, I'm still working on my Latin. And so I'm not that confident where I'm going to, uh, uh, you know, just be boldly out there. Cause then there's going to be people that are like, oh, well, you pronounced this wrong and you didn't do that. And you forgot to say this. And so I really want to get better at it before I I get into it. Have you studied Latin at all? I I never studied it, but I, I guess you can say I'm kind of studying it, but it's just like online doing my own research to try to know the Latin prayers, but not necessarily the language itself. Now, I speak Spanish, so Latin is quite easy for me because it pretty much makes sense. Um, But I can't say that I like know Latin. I just know like the Ave Maria and and I'm learning the Paternoster. That's pretty much what I got right now. (laughs) I love that. So you said you're in Japan. What kind of Catholic churches do you guys have in Japan? So Japan is most well known by other Catholics outside of here for Akita. Uh, you know, Our Lady of Akita. But that's way far away from me. That's like down south. I live in Tokyo and that's like in the woods over there. So I don't have that type of amazing place. Japan used to have the TLM available through the SSPX. But now it's become almost non-existent, which is really tough. So right now, when, when I first started learning about Catholicism, uh, it was just, again, I was trying to de- uh, debunk it, by the way, <laughs> but I started learning and then I'm like, okay, I got to go to a church. And then I ended up finding a Novus Ordo mass that was very modern. And it didn't really click with me because as a Jewish person, I really love tradition. And I love uh, when things visually represent reverence, I guess you could say. Right, right. So then I, I started looking for other places and then I ended up finding this other one that is in a pretty much like a cathedral. It's not necessarily, I wouldn't consider it a cathedral because of the architecture itself, but it's a beautiful, beautiful church. It's also um, Novus Ordo, um, but it's very reverent, especially compared to the other one. It is in Japanese. So that's the biggest thing. And for anybody that's watching, uh, I, I think you yourself, you go to a, to the Latin mass, correct? Yeah, yeah. I attend a Latin mass. I did a really reverent Novus Ordo, um, and they actually just recently got a traditional Latin mass. Um, and Bishop Perry ah, cool. actually did the first mass there, and so that was awesome. Um, so I've Amazing. been going there a lot more because getting downtown has been really rough. Uh, see, So for, for me over here, it's pretty much I don't have a choice. Uh, if it was up to me, that's what I would go to just because, again, I love the the reverence, the tradition, and all of that amazing stuff. But I do appreciate this place um, where I'm at. It's beautiful. You know, you have your stained glass. That's a stone-built building. And, again, because it is in Novus Ordo, that means that it's in the vernacular. So yeah. I don't necessarily understand everything that's happening, but... Since I have studied the mass, I, I know what's happening. And it also really calls back to Judaism, right? A lot of the same things are very similar to me. According to temple Judaism, I'm not talking about modern Judaism. Right. So yeah, that's that's where I go. It's really awesome. And, and hopefully, um, very soon, I will be, 
I'm connecting to another one because I have a really strange situation about the catechesis process that I'm in right now, but that's another story for another day. Right. But, so, yeah. so because you are converting back into the Catholic faith, what really, really convinced you? Um, I know you said that Our Lady of Sorrows really helped in the rosary and everything, but what started your actual realization that Mary is the mother of God and, and really helped you understand that better? So because we're talking specifically about the Blessed Mother, um, I already knew about Jesus, Yeshua, and I knew um, the significance that obedience had. So these are all like preliminary things. Right. But specifically, when it comes to the Blessed Mother, I think what really helped me to connect the dots is just seeing her through the lens of Temple Judaism. It, it was really understanding. I think the book of Luke and the book of mm -hmm. John are the best examples. And those are the things that really drove me into Marian devotion. Because when I would read the book of Luke, right, it says that, you know, the Blessed Mother was pregnant, right? She was carrying the word made flesh. She was right. carrying the bread of life. She was carrying the true priest, right? The priesthood was within her womb. So I knew then there that she was the Ark of the New Covenant because what did the Ark carry? The Ark carried the tablets of stone, which were the word of God. They carried the budding rod of Aaron, which is the symbol of the priesthood. And of course, the manna, which is the bread, the heavenly bread. Right. So I understood those things and I'm like, wait a second, there's something interesting happening here. So then I started looking more into it and there were so many connections, like the fact that for, I'm sorry about that, the example of um, Miriam, Mary, staying at Elizabeth's house for, you know, the, the months that she stayed there, the same amount of time that the Ark stood in this guy's house. His name was Obededom. Mm -hmm. And then King David went over there to get it back because he realized that the ark was amazing. So he wanted to have that ark. And that's, that's another thing that clicked for me. I'm like, okay, I have the blessed mother. The Catholics can have her. Right. But then I'm like, wait, even King David realized, man, I really messed up. I should have kept the ark with me. So right. then I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to keep the blessed mother with me. I need to be close to her. So I guess making those connections between what we see in the Old Testament scriptures and the New Testament scriptures really connected it for me to understand, okay, she's the mother of God. She is the Ark of the New Covenant and she is my mom. <laughs> right. I think the whole thing like with um, typology, you know, that is it, it, it hmm. basically the Old Testament parallels the New Testament. And it's so amazing because um, just recently, like in mass this week, which this podcast isn't going to come out for a while, but during this mm -hmm. week in mass, yeah. <laughs> um, we basically learned about how Abraham was going to sacrifice his only son um, right. and how his son carried the wood to his own sacrifice, so to speak. And it parallels right. Jesus Christ being sent God's only son, carrying his mm -hmm. own wood, his own cross to be killed, even though Abraham's you know, son didn't get killed, but it, right, it prefaces right. it. it. It gives you an idea. Exactly. And so why can't it be the same with our lady? And when you oh, yeah. actually do look at the Bible and, it, and the funny thing is, is that so many non-Catholics that I know, they have such a surface level understanding of the Bible. And yet there's mm -hmm. so much more there's, it's so much richer oh, yeah. and deeper than, uh, their own understanding of what it means. And, mm -hmm. um, 
And so when we actually go through and we, we, I hate to say it, but like when we actually read the Bible and we don't just see what we want to see and we don't just cherry pick Mm -hmm. and hear what we want to hear, it gives a whole other depth to the Bible. And I think a lot of people just have this misconception already put in their heads about what Catholics are. And so they're just like, whenever they see anything in the Bible that might parallel what Catholics believe or mm-hmm. might constitute to what we believe, they instantly shut it out and just be like, no, that's not it. It was a metaphor. Like, this isn't right. Yeah. This was a symbol. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Did you Absolutely. ever experience any of that? Well, I'm I'm the one who was saying those things to Catholics, right? I'm saying <laughs> you guys are idolatrous. You guys are misunderstanding the scriptures. But of course, I was coming from a point of sola scriptura, which basically mm-hmm. is just Bible alone, right. and everybody made their own interpretation. So when I would read it, you know, I would I considered myself studious when it came to the things of the Bible. And, you know, the the stereotype of Catholics is that they don't know their Bibles. Mm-hmm. And what I learned was that maybe you don't know all the citations, but you know it because of the way you live it. Mm-hmm. which is more important than knowing where the scripture is at, you know, the specific verse. So I think for me, uh, when I started seeing all of these connections and seeing how the Catholic church actually is more biblical than I could have ever imagined, and it made it easier for me to accept all of the teachings. And I think one perfect example of this is, Uh, seeing the Blessed Mother as the Queen of Heaven. I think that was the hardest, most difficult title for me to embrace. It took me a while. Mother of God, easy, right? She literally gave birth to Yeshua, who is God. So that makes sense. Ark of the Covenant, the the typology is undeniable. But then Queen of Heaven really stumped me. And it wasn't again until I looked into the Old Testament scriptures. And I understood that in the kingdom of Israel, the, the mother of the king was the queen. She was called the queen mother. Um, and when I saw that connection, I said, wow, Catholics actually do know their Bible a lot better than I do. <laughs> and it really clicked. It really humbled me to understand that. I think that's one of the biggest things that non-Catholics try to diss on me with is it's like, I don't have certain Bible verses memorized per se. I know in a sense what they say, like, I I know I can paraphrase it. Like I I just, I, I can't memorize a hundred Bible verses. I mean, I probably should strive for that, you know, but I do read my (laughs) Bible and, you know, I, I, I live it out and stuff. Um, but if I can't like cite a specific, you know, phrase or something like on the spot, they think that they have the upper hand somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I'm just like, just, just because you have a verse memorized doesn't mean you know what it means, but okay. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And, and see that I'm going to kind of sidetrack a little bit, but that's actually such a huge point that, yeah, you may know what it says, but do you know what it means? It's mm. a completely different ball game and knowing what it means through the lens of the church, which is the authority that composed the scriptures, the authority that defines it. Right. Then it's a it's a different world and it makes so much more sense. And then you know what biblical really is. Exactly. No, yeah, no, you make a great point because I mean, how many times have people gone off on their own understanding when the Bible tells them specifically not to? 
you yeah. know, and yet they do so anyways. And I think they do that because they don't understand that there's supposed to be an infallible authority above them that's supposed yeah. to dictate what the Bible translates to. And I always right. find it funny when uh, even non-Christians, like just atheists or something, tell me, they're just like, well, your Bible supports homophobia or something. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> what Bible verse is that? And they're like, I don't know, uh, but one of my people, <laughs> like one of the people that I follow on my social media posted it on their story. Therefore it must be true. And I was yep. just like, have you even read it? <laughs> like, yep. Yeah. I feel that. And that's the same thing that happens with the blessed mother too. A lot of people are like, Oh, but you guys believe this and that. And I'm like, okay, but where are you getting that from? It goes the other way. It's not just about the scriptures. Like when it comes to what Catholics believe about the blessed mother, They'll say, oh, but you Catholics believe that she's a goddess or you worship her. And I'm like, okay, can you show me where in scripture or where in tradition or where in the, catechism. any of the document? Yeah. In the catechism, where does it say that we're supposed to see her as a goddess or that we worship her? Nowhere. You can't say that. You're just making your own ideas and your own interpretation. But I guess, you know, if you believe sola scriptura, where you're making your own definitions of the scripture, it makes sense you're <laughs> going to make your own definitions of what the Catholic Church teaches. Exactly. <sighs> People need to stop blaming Catholics just because they don't understand the difference between reverence and worship. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting because so many times we're told like the rosary is worship and this and that. And, and, it really, I mean, with the amount of information we literally have at the tip of our fingers these days, it is yeah. so, so easy to just do a simple Google search yes. on a, a, on a good Catholic website. Catholic answers is great for that and yeah. to actually get the truth. And yet they won't even go that far. And I yeah. wonder in a sense, if it's, um, if it's their own ignorance, like they don't want to know, or mm -hmm. if they truly just don't know that websites out there like that exist though i don't mm. know how they wouldn't know that because like there's sites out there for literally everything yeah yeah i guess it's kind of seen as a taboo to look into catholic sources but in reality i think it's really unfair for someone to judge the church and its beliefs when you're not willing to do the research yourself like and and i speak on this from my own example i thought I had already dealt with the Catholic church, right? There was this time in my life where uh, I just questioned everything. And I started looking pretty much into every religion and seeing where the truth was at. And I thought I had already dealt with the Catholic church. And it wasn't until about two years ago when I started taking a more serious look into it, into unbiased sources. Because if I'm going to look at sources that are blatantly anti-Catholic, that's all I'm going to get exactly but then i and, yeah when i look into history that's when it changed too and that's the thing i feel like people aren't even really willing to do that anymore they like to stay no. in that blissful ignorance because if they don't True. know then they don't have to do anything about it but unfortunately yeah. if they stay in that blissful ignorance that that in itself is a very very grave sin um yeah. and so do you find that like certain um like certain apparitions of our lady talk to you a little bit more than others like which ones are you most devoted to um so this is another field that i'm just really trying to understand more and more um because i didn't think at first like even if i understood all the things that we just spoke about that i started to click into and understand the apparitions were something that in my mind i said if this is real 
there is no denial that the Catholic Church really is the one established by our Messiah. Um, but I think the the apparitions that when I started looking more into them, the ones that really clicked for me is Fatima, uh, mm-hmm. Our Lady of Fatima, and Our Lady of Guadalupe. I think were really the biggest ones for me, and the reason why. Uh, for Guadalupe, for example, there were millions, millions of people that ended up coming into the church because of this. That's yeah. how impactful it was. And for example, the the Tilma, I believe it's called, right? Yes. Where um, it, it, it has this image. Our Lady. Yeah. 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 It, when I started just looking at the science behind it, I'm like, this is crazy. How how can you deny this? And this is something that I even started talking to my wife and she's like, wait, wait, is that real? And I said, yeah, look, you can look at all this research that has been done throughout the years. And that even shocked her. And she's Japanese, right? She comes from a very anti-religion background. Mm -hmm. So when you speak to her in terms of science, it's like, okay, wait a second, let's look more into this. So for that, you know, the science behind it and the millions of people that converted, um, But then Fatima is a different dimension for me. Our Lady of Fatima really speaks to me because of the fact that it was witnessed by so many people, hundreds of thousands, right? And in Judaism, uh, a lot of people talk about within the Jewish sphere, like I'm not talking about Jews like me that believe in Jesus. I'm talking about like non-believing Jews. They make fun of a lot of religions because other religions their prophets and, you know, the, the people that bring forth those religions have their own private revelations. That's what they say. They make fun of Muhammad because he had his revelation in a cave. Nobody was there to witness. Uh, Joseph Smith, he had his own revelation by himself. The Buddha, his revelation by himself. Mm-hmm. But Jews feel proud of the fact that when God revealed himself to the people of Israel, he did it in a very public manner where nobody could deny it, right? He was right there at Mount Sinai and everybody was able to witness it. And when I think of Our Lady of Fatima, it's the same thing. There were many, many witnesses and they witnessed this very visual uh, miracle that transformed their lives. So that was the first thing. That's, that's the, the lesser level in reality. Because the, the bigger thing is what was revealed through the messages. And that really got to me. And her asking us to pray the rosary is mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I do it. And I've been doing it every day because of that. Because I said, okay, if this is real and the Blessed Mother is telling us to do this, it's not a joke. This is the real deal. We have to do this. So it affected me so much that I took up the rosary and I do it every day. And I'm trying to learn more about her. And I'm trying to learn more about other apparitions because they're all interconnected. And that's the beautiful thing about it. And what makes it also real to me is understanding that the apparitions are not just random little messages that have nothing to do with each other, but they rather paint a really beautiful picture and in sometimes kind of scary, but it's the truth. No, for sure. And I know you said you're in Japan, you know, and stuff. And so Our Lady of Akita is one of the Marian apparitions I covered on my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And that totally inspired me. But also most Marian apparitions that we see and are approved by the Catholic Church, they um, 
there are always specific reasons for them, of course. Like Our Lady of Fatima, like you said, she predicted World War, World War II and Hitler yep. and all those things. And, um, and, and so each Marian apparition in its own way has predicted some kind of chastisement that God has, you know, given to man for uh, their sins. And so, uh, and her warnings, you know, we need to take them seriously because we see them, we see them right. come true in today's world. Um, I know two Marian apparitions for me. And the first one, Our Lady of Smiles, she was uh, the apparition that healed uh, St. Therese of Lisieux when she was mm. really, really sick as a little girl. They had this beautiful statue of Our Lady. And when she was sick, um, they brought the statue over to her and and her eyes came alive, you know, alive and uh, she could see yeah. her face and stuff. And she she deemed her Our Lady of Smiles. And, and so that's that's one that I really love. And then, um, of course, another one is Our Lady of Silva. Um, and that one was right during the Protestant, you know, reformation when Calvinism was taking over a lot of Europe and churches were being confiscated and even burned um, yeah. for, you know, Protestant services instead. And this um, one priest wanted to preserve his church. And so he put all of the important things, the chalices, the vestments into a big box and he buried mm -hmm. it by a rock. And that's where our lady appeared a hundred-ish years later and told them like, this used to be a Catholic church and return it to my son, mm -hmm. like return this church wow. to my son uh, because the Calvinists overtook it. And right on that rock, they dug it up and they found the box um, because mm -hmm. there was only one person left in the entire town who was a blind man who knew where the box was buried and he led them wow. to it. And as soon as they dug it up and everything, his blindness was healed. Um, wow. Lots of really awesome stuff. And so it's just stories like that, that it's just, it's historical, but yeah. also like, it's, it's not, it's, it's like, it's believable too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like yeah. so far fetched that you would just be like, okay, that's obviously like a fairy tale. Like it's kind <laughs> <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? I mean, mm -hmm. there are, it, it's a miracle. Absolutely. But it's also not hard to believe that it happened. I mean, right. especially for us Catholics and Christians or Catholics are Christians, but you know, like Protestants and Catholics. Um, right. it, it's something that I feel like if, I don't know. I just feel like if people could see the Eucharistic miracles, could see the miracles that mm -hmm. took place and, and the Marian apparitions, they would have a change of heart. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, they don't happen that often where it would happen. But still, I, I tell people, you know, look it up, you know, look up the 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 whole Eucharist, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the Eucharistic miracles and everything like that. And when yeah. they do, they always come back with, well, obviously it's fake, like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, did you actually mm -hmm. look at the science though? Like your wife, Probably you not. know, she, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and that's the thing. It's like, I feel like so many people are afraid. They are mm -hmm. so afraid to, to totally cast away every single thing they were taught when they were younger um, mm -hmm. by people that they love and people they trust. And they're afraid to take that step. What was your, what's your conversion story like with your family and stuff like that? How, how is that? Well, uh, as I mentioned for me, uh, my heritage is Jewish, which um, it's a specific group within Judaism. It's Sephardic Jews. So my family comes from Spain and the north of Africa. When my parents and, well, it was my great-grandparents, when they ended up in the States, um, Central America, I'm getting so confused. When they went to Central America, 
they believed in God, but they weren't really practicing anything. Mm -hmm. um, but then as time passed, my father ended up moving to uh, New York and he became a Protestant Christian and my mom soon followed and they were living as Pentecostal Christians. And I lived like that for the majority of my childhood. And then when that phase in my time in my life came up where I told you where I was just questioning everything. Um, that's the moment when I started to really dive into what the scriptures actually taught. And that's when I found out that sola scriptura, um, sola fide actually was false, right? It wasn't just belief. It, that's such an abstract concept, uh, but rather we are supposed to live out by being obedient to God and obeying his commandments. That's what the faith is really about. Right. Um, that's what a relationship is with God. So when I understood that, then I ended up uh, becoming part of this movement called Messianic Judaism. And basically what Messianic Judaism is, uh, it's people who believe that Jesus is the Messiah. However, it's, it's with a Jewish flavor, right? You're still keeping the commandments, which includes like keeping kosher, keeping the biblical feasts, um, wearing a kippah, which is that little thing over there. And no, I'm not a cardinal. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, things like that. And, and that's what it involved. And I really appreciated that because it really helped me to one, understand my Jewish heritage more. Number two, it really helped me to dive into the history of the real Jewish roots of Christianity, even though I didn't under click it to Catholicism at that point. And then uh, it really helped me to study a lot about Jewish literature. Mm. The problem was that I was learning a lot about that, but I didn't know much about believers in Jesus. What happened with them? So that's when I started digging into history. And the first thing that shocked me, it's when I started seeing how all of these earliest believers always spoke about the Eucharist. Mm. And they didn't just talk about it how I knew, which is just remembering Jesus. <laughs> they really believed that it, the Eucharist was Yeshua, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Of course, the terminology was slightly different, um, but it was still the same concepts, the same ideas, and the same passion for it. And it started creeping me out because I'm like, wait a second, this is starting to sound really Catholic to me right now. I need to... Are you, I can't. Cannibalism. Can't so I started, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, this can't be. This can't be. But the more I researched, the more I'm like, dang, I really messed up. I think this is the real deal. I think their Catholicism really is the fulfillment. And then I started linking Catholicism with Temple Judaism. Mm. So, and that really began, that clicking began about two years ago. And, and I told God, God, if this is really where you want to take me, I'm going to go all out. Right. And I have a YouTube channel where I was sharing my life as a Messianic Jewish person. And I, I would teach people about the festivals, about Jewish traditions and things like that. But man, this is crazy. I even had a video where I, I talked about Catholics and, and I said, oh yeah, and they pray to to Mary and they pray the rosary. And I, and I said, I would never do something like that. God forbid. And here Psych. I am with, with the rosary, like right over here, right. You know, praying it every day. Psych. Exactly. <laughs> That's too funny. And isn't and, and it it's wild. Yeah. Because Go isn't ahead, it like just such a humbling experience 
as well to be like, I would never do that. And suddenly it's basically like you have to, yeah, you have to eat your words and you basically have to tell everyone like, okay, so this happened, but not just that you actually had to not reject every every single thing you were raised with, but you did have to keep that openness and actually you did have to relearn some things. You did have to backtrack and, 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 um, kind of undo the, the misconceptions that were already put in there. Um, were there any books or anything that helped you with that, with the Marian stuff and everything? Well, yes, with Mary in particular, the biggest thing that helped me is the book by Dr. Brant Petrie, which is Jesus and the Jewish roots of Mary, which (laughs) in case anybody's wondering, it's this guy right here. That looks like an amazing book. Oh man. Such a, such a great book. It's just filled with, it basically covers all the Marian dogmas, dogmas of the church through a Jewish lens. And it really helped me because all of these things resonate with me. Like he's using, Jewish history, Jewish tradition, the scriptures, both Old and New Testament. And then it really opened my eyes to understanding the Blessed Mother. But for Catholicism as a whole, I think the biggest things that helped me were the writings of the pre-Nicene fathers. Mm -hmm. And specifically that because the way that I was raised, I was told that Christians were Christians until Constantine, right? That's when he brought all the paganism and that's where the Catholic Church was born. But then when I started looking like Polycarp, Clement of Rome, Papias, um, and of course, uh, St. Ignatius, it really showed me that, no, this is the Catholic Church from the beginning. It's always been the same thing. Also, the Didache, Mm -hmm. which is the earliest writing attributed to believers in Jesus. Um, So those right there. And another book that really helped me was Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist. Same, same author, uh, Dr. Brant Petrie. Uh, one that I've really been liking a lot lately is The Crucified Rabbi by Dr. Taylor Marshall. Another really good book. And he ties it in a more modern sense too. Uh, but he also does tie it back to the ancient Jewish tradition. So all of these books really, and those ancient writings really, really helped me to click into Catholicism. No, I think those will be very helpful for anyone out there struggling with Our Lady or just in general, getting a devotion to her. I feel like yeah. a lot of times we we feel like the devotion to Our Lady is super dry because a lot of people, especially converts, have, have talked to me saying that they're afraid, basically, of loving Our Lady more than Jesus. And I keep mm-hmm. telling them what St. Maximilian Colby would say, you can never love Our Lady enough. Like, Jesus loved her more. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. Right. Um, yeah, we have it. Yeah, but, and it's one of those things where it's just like, no matter how much love you have for Our Lady, it won't, unless you actually, like, that. I have never met a Catholic that actually worships our lady but there was yeah. one girl who came to me and said that her family did and there was like no no talk of god but they're not yeah. even catholic then at that point because that's not Catholicism. Yeah. exactly um, exactly but basically like you can never love our lady too much you can never have too many devotions to her you can never ask her for help or her you know anything too much and i know some books that have helped me was a heart like mary's it's a 31 Mm -hmm. daily meditations uh, basically just to help you live and love as she does 
Um, I believe that's by Father Edward Looney, which I love his last name. I'm sorry, but like to have a last name like Looney, oh my goodness. Yes, it's a great one. <laughs> right. And then um, two other ones I really enjoy is Meet Your Mother by a Dr. Mark. I'm going to totally butcher his last name, Mervali, Mervali, mm. I think his last name is. Um, yeah. And then the last one is Our Lady Endure of Knots, A Living Novena by Marge Finolan. And um, Our Lady Undoer of Knots is actually one of my favorite apparitions as well. I have a pretty big devotion to her just because um, with a lot of generational demons and things, as we know, in our generational line, there is always at least one or more demons um, mm. that is passed down through the generations. Father Ripperger does an amazing talk on that. And so Our Lady mm. has been a huge, huge help in undoing a lot of those just, you know, nasty mm. little, little things, you know, it could be yeah. a, a repetitive sin, it could be uh, just uh, an old time curse, like, it, it's amazing to me how many people don't know that they are just randomly yes. cursed because of the stuff we have today you yep. know um the tv is basically like a window almost these days and it can let things mm -hmm. in it's crazy it's crazy oh, yeah. stuff but our lady you know she she is a real one so That's thank you sure. so much for being on this podcast where can my followers find you well um you can find me on instagram or youtube both under the jewish catholic that's pretty much the easiest way to find me uh, if anybody wanted to reach an email, it's the same thing, the Jewish Catholic official at gmail.com. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for being on this Absolutely. podcast with me. And mm -hmm. I will talk to you in the next one. Sounds great. All right. Bye. -bye. bye. <laughs>questions or comments about today's episode, email me at thereligioushippie at gmail.com or leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash thereligioushippie. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or find us on social media for other unique content.